0: Hey, I wanted to just share my appreciation uh, with uh, many of you who opened your homes uh, and, and created a special time for those who weren't able to go back to their homes uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. There's nothing that um, thrills my heart more than seeing the church be the church and love those who may not have family to go back to or may not be able to purchase the ticket uh, to get home for the holiday. But guys, those of you who served our community and served them well, thank you very much. Brought a smile to my face and a bit of a tear to my... I'm just kidding, I wasn't crying, but I was definitely happy. <laughs> well, like John said, we are in the third uh, installment of our Sojourner series. How many have enjoyed it thus far? A bit of a smaller group here today. Many of either recovering from a lot of food that they ate over the weekend uh, and forgot to come to church because uh, they're sleeping, um, and uh, many are away from us. But um, Matthew Harlan uh, spoke to us. Uh, also, my wife, I think, opened the series, and now I get to add to the conversation, of which I'm very excited uh, to do such. If you would turn with me uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 verse, verse 11. And we're going to kind of bounce around within this chapter um, to get the feel and the scope of Peter's letter here. Um, here in verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Let's read that again. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary... Now, take this personal, okay? Take this like Peter is writing to you. Are your pastor, Daryl... is. Before you right now, saying, "Hey, I'm going to warn you something." Okay, let's take this personal, dear friends. I warn you as temporary, temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away uh, from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Uh, the Sunday before last, if you were with us, I uh, was speaking from Romans chapter 13, uh, where Paul wrote a letter to the Roman Church addressing uh, the issue of authority, um, being subject to government authority. Uh, He wasn't dealing with government in the church. He was talking about the big dogs, right, in the White House, so to speak. Um, And so he wrote a letter to the um, Roman people um, asking for uh, their submission to all governing authority. And what we discovered when we uh, talked about Romans chapter 13 was a man named Nero who was the emperor of Rome at the time, was a very evil man. Um, he was considered most uh, or by most in his time to be an antichrist or the antichrist. I mean, that's not any title you want to get, you know, <laughs> you know as you're serving uh, and as you're in a place of authority. But he was uh, a very evil man. We can't even begin to uh, touch um, the level of evil that this emperor embodied. Um, but although it's not, uh, it can't, we can't be certain, meaning not we, but many theologians and scholars, um, historians can't be sure, but they're, uh, they believe it's possible that this letter was written in the height of what is called uh, the Neronian uh, persecution. And we talked a little bit about that uh, on that Sunday too. You can go back uh, a couple Sundays in the archives and you can find out more details about the Neronian persecution. Um, Essentially, um, to make a a long story short, uh, it's believed that Nero uh, set flame to the center part of Rome uh, in order to rebuild it. Um, And he, as speculation was growing in the city, seeing how his estates and investments were not touched. (laughs) Pretty interesting that many houses burnt to the ground and many... Buildings burnt to the ground, but his um, were left unscathed. Uh, That speculation started to grow within Rome amongst their citizens. And they believed, or they started to believe, that Nero was the one who started this fire. And it was right, he did. Um, but he needed, at the time, an scapegoat because the rumor was getting back to him. And so he decided to blame the church. It's always the Christian's fault. Do you know that? 2016, nothing's changed. It's always the church's fault. If the world implodes, it's, it's got to be the church's fault. But no, he, he uh, blames Christians. It kind of opens the door to mass persecution in Rome. And many are put to death. It's believed that Nero was uh, the one or the emperor that had both Paul and Peter put to death. Uh, so he goes on to blame the Christians, and that leads to one of the greatest persecution of the church um, known uh, to mankind. And so as we move forward in 1 Peter chapter 2, it's important to understand the background, right, of what's going on here and why Peter is writing this. Um, If we could just get an image here, Um, Peter is not writing to Rome, to the Church of Rome. He's actually uh, writing this letter to Asia Minor. There's a couple of uh, European countries that he's sending these letters out to. And it's not that he is um, concerned much about the persecution happening in Asia Minor, but he is uh, concerned that what is beginning to materialize in Rome through persecution might Spread to these countries, and so he's warning them. Now, what's interesting about First Peter is that um, Peter is writing to newly saved believers. <laughs> Could you imagine if your first introduction, uh, introduction to Christ is uh, on the heels of one of uh, history's most ferocious, gruesome time in the church, like he's preparing these guys for persecution? essentially. They're, they're new believers. We know this because if you look at, I believe, uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, Peter says, you are coming to Christ, you, um, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God. And so, Peter right there is addressing these new believers that are coming by the droves into the church in Asia, Asia, Asia Minor. Excuse me, a little tongue-tied. And so, he in addition to warning them against worldliness tells them I think some of the are uh, one of the most remarkable statements of the New Testament of which both Paul, Peter, and the apostles attest to live as citizens of heaven as temporary uh citizens foreigners to this country live in such a way and the the way that Peter seeks to define what uh, this Uh, living as exiles looks like is is abstaining or staying away from worldliness. And to cap it off, he's not talking to seasoned believers. (laughs) He's talking to new Christians. And so Peter writes this in concern that the sufferings of Rome will eventually materialize into other parts of the Roman Empire. Um. What has stuck out to me in looking at this passage of Scripture is kind of uh, the surrounding verses or the leading verses to verse 11. And that starts actually in verse 9 of the chapter when Peter talks about identity. I'm so grateful for Matt last week um, touching upon uh, the reality that we are children of God, sons and daughters of God. And I, I can't help but think that's exactly what Peter does here. Is If you look at verse 9, Peter starts off by saying... But you are not like that, Um, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, I I, I think I, I can't help but think in the 21st century in the church today that we don't get rattled by that statement. Nothing within us really gets like touched that the God of the universe, <laughs> the uncreated, all-knowing, all-powerful God has made us his possession, his chosen people. Don't you love that, 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 that First Peter starts with addressing the issue of identity before warning these new believers to live as temporary uh, residents, as foreigners? I want to I, I want to stick with this a little bit because I think identity, knowing who we are, changes the whole game. <laughs> you know, not that we're in a game. I'm not. I'm not. Please don't take my words out of context. But but you understand? Like it changes the way we worship. It changes the way we give. It changes the way we live. It changes everything. You're, you're, you you you. Today are a chosen people. Whenever I am caught up or taken aside when I pause a minute and begin to think that this God made me his chosen people. People. He made me his very own possession, man, it softens my heart. It doesn't it doesn't make me cower away. It makes me want to press in more to loving him and loving others. And, 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 and more so, I start to look at uh, the warning here in First Peter as something that is is more less or less of, of just being a warning, but something that I want to do. I love to do. It's in response that God, through his son, Jesus, made me his da- son. I was almost said daughter. Excuse me there. Made me his possession. He made me. He made us. Us. His chosen people. A holy nation. Come on. Whenever God uses those words, take for example, the Old Testament. Look at um, Exodus 19.6. Uh, because Exodus 19.6, it's almost a quotation, uh, a quote from First uh, Peter. Here in 19.6, let me get here, 19.6, sorry. In you... Will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. Can, you know, let's go on here. Leviticus 25.3. Could you put it up on the overhead? I I'm, I don't have my uh, my iPad. I I don't want to take too long I'm trying to read a bunch of verses. Twenty-five, twenty-three. Leviticus. Twenty-five, twenty-three. Let's look at other parts of the Old Testament where people were classified or, or people were um, uh, defined as being sojourners. Here we are, um, the land that must never be sold on pr- a permanent basis. For the land belongs to me, that's the Lord. You are only foreigners and tenant, farmers working for me. Can you This is the promised land of which God promised Israel. And even in the land that God promised Israel, he says what? You are. Foreigners. <laughs> it's amazing that even in the land that God, pro- even even in the midst of God's promises, He still says, "Lo, you're just visitors here. You're foreigners. Treat it as such. You're going to tend like farmers. You're going to work for Me." Turn, for example, another example to Psalm sixty-nine, eight. Here, David feels estranged or alienated, ignored by his very own family because. His zeal and passion for God had consumed him. (laughs) Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Here David is amongst his own family because of his passion and zeal for God feels isolated, feels alienated from his very flesh and blood. Let's turn one more scripture verse, Genesis 23, 4, Genesis 23, 4. Here's a story uh, of a sojourner. His name is uh, Abraham, if you haven't heard of him. He had no land, and he came to a point where his wife had died, and he had nowhere to bury her. Could you imagine that? Here he says, here, I am a stranger and a foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so I can give my wife a proper burial. The the, the sojourner message or the sojourner lifestyle is is so smothered throughout the Old and New Testament. And you know what? In this case, we can confidently say that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What do I mean by that? His idea of us living as foreigners, as citizens of heaven, has not changed because of Jesus. (laughs) And the one way that Peter... Um, kind of focuses in on this reality is to warn us of worldliness. I, I can't help but think, I can't help but think the church is so ensnared. And I'm not just talking about hilltop. I'm, just ta- I'm talking about even my own life. We, we get so comfortable So set in our ways. (laughs) So at ease with building our lives. And and not that I'm against building our lives. Not that I'm against being comfortable. Not that I'm against having a home or or land. You know, I'm not against it. I am against it when it seems to trump (laughs) things that God majors in. When it comes to his word. And friend. Shake yourself today. From the status quo Christianity. If you feel like you're set in your ways. And you're in a rut. And you can never get out. How many feel like your life is just a sequence of events. A kind of running around the mountain. In this kind of rut. Well well, think upon these lines with me. Maybe. You've made your world this world. And and that's really the rut you're in. Maybe that's really the rut I'm in today. Is that I have become comfortable to just show up Sunday, sing a couple of songs, and then go on with life as usual. Friend, I'm telling you, God will haunt us. He will haunt us. You will forever feel on this side of eternity, isolated and away from God if you cannot deal with worldliness in your heart it's not your pastor's fault, it's not the leadership's fault, it's not the church's fault, mainly it's our own fault we gotta shake free from the norms and the ruts that we feel like we're in, wake up and realize this is a brief moment right here, very brief Very brief. I can't say this enough. I cannot emphasize this enough to us here this morning. I'm sorry if this comes across a little bit passionate, maybe a little bit angry. I'm not. I'm concerned. I'm concerned when a thing as little and trivial as elections can rock the church so much. Oh no, he said it. Yeah, I said it. Where is our security based? Where is our foundation? Where is it? Is it in Donald Trump? Friend, it better not be there because you'll probably be let down. Is it in Hillary Clinton? I would also say it better not be there. We have to come to grips with making our roots go deep into Jesus that nothing can shake us. And the only way that happens... It's for you and I to come cut free from the world. Listen to what the Bible says about the world that some of us love so much and want to be a part of so much. Now, again, hear me. I'm not talking about just hiding in a cave and isolating away from the world. Today, guys, Jesus' words ring clear. We're to be salt and light. Come on. I'm not talking about just hiding away until Christ comes. I'm talking about the governors of our heart. What what pulls on this? What what dictates the outcomes of our emotion? Let's turn briefly to 1 John chapter 2. Let's, let's see what John said about. I know it's Sunday. We should probably not read passages like this, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the word of God. I didn't say it. Okay, here it is. Do not love this world, nor the things. Oh, God, he said it. Could you define those things? Listen, today, you know the things. I know the things. We know the things. It's not a mystery. It's what's ever holding you back. It's whatever has you ensnared. Those are the things, friend. I'm not talking about your dogs or I'm not talking about your clothes, although materialism may be a problem for you. We know, we know. Let's not play like it's a big mystery. We know today you, I, sitting here in this church today know the very things that hold us back. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't play hide and seek. (laughs) He doesn't. It's very clear. The only issue is... If we're able to come to the point to say, yes, Holy Spirit, that is it. That is the problem. And today I'm going to deal with it. So do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the father in you. For the world offers only a carve craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see in pride in our achievements in possessions. It's here, guys. It's in, it's in the book. Do you know that we can make idols out of our possessions? These are not from the Father. But are from this world. And this world here is fading away. F- pause. Think about that. No, 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 really think about it. Think deeply. Get off of Facebook for a second. Get your mind out of what you're going to do after church and think. This world here now is fading away. You're probably thinking, what is the big deal? The big deal is to me. Is if I understand truth, if I understand that this world is fading away, I live awfully different. If I live, if I really understand and have wrestled through uh, the, the the coming to truth that that this world is passing fast. I never thought I'd see the day of 40. Not that I didn't think I would get there, but one day I felt like I was 20 and never would see 40. I don't know if that makes sense, but when you get 40, you'll realize it. It comes by so fast. Guys. Guys. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave everything that people crave is fading fleeting it's it's dying it's exposed to death and decay it's it's gone it's but anyone in verse 17 but anyone who does what pleases god Live forever. You see, why, why are we doing a series like this? Because we're trying to snap the church out of the norms of just getting locked into routines and ruts, living and craving and discontent because they don't understand that really, ultimately, what they're craving will never satisfy them. Never. You may think it may have a brief moment where you're actually uh, satisfied and you're actually content. But friend, it will pass if you have the Holy Spirit. It will pass and you will be left in the, the closet of jadedness and depression. Depression is more than just some psychological epidemic. You know, in the church, it's really tied to what we're craving because so much of our spirit man wars against the things of this world and those cravings and they're constantly at conf- conflicting with one another and the only way you i find true peace is to do exactly what peter said war against that which wages war against your soul i know i We've been in America for a long time, and things are pretty nice, you know, pretty comfortable. You know, I, I was walking my dog at like 4 o'clock this morning. I'm like, I can't believe I'm just walking here on the streets. It was kind of like, just like one of those moments, like other countries, they're like so, like everything's so. But, but freedom can be our worst enemy sometimes. Guys, here at Hilltop, I pray that we have um, not we're not nearsighted. <laughs> I pray that I pray that we're just not living for here and now. I pray that we understand that that the real war that's going on are the things that are are warring for our our soul, the, our affections. And that we can we can like Peter uh, uh Wage war against those things that war against us. Listen, today, friend, the real reality, according to scripture, is that you are in a war. Do you understand? Do we? Do I, I don't want to feel like I'm angry, but do we understand that today we are in a war, guys? I'm not trying to get all Maranatha on you or or whatever you know it might be. I'm not looking for the devil under every rock, but the reality of it is that we are in a war. And the, and the one way that I have found now walking with the Lord for 20 years to win and be victorious in areas in this war is to put to death those craving things. Put to death and to, to fight. It's not easy, but, but I understand that, man, there is a lot more sanity. There is a lot more fruitfulness I'm not as jaded as I was in my 20s, blaming everybody else uh, for my circumstance. (laughs) I realize that I can fight a war. I can can join in. But it's only when I start to really think about the fading, um, uh, the, the, the passing away, if you would, the passing away of this life, And so it begins to, uh, I don't know, shift something in the gears of my mind where I'm like, I'm not just living for today to get some kind of um, financial security. I'm not just living today to have multiple churches or or houses. I'm not just living for these things today. I'm living as a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20. You understand that in Philippians 3.20, the Christian, 3.20, the Christians were so comfortable. Paul's remarks to them was to snap them out and get them thinking differently because they um, enjoyed the rights and the privilege that most Roman citizens did at the time. And, And they became comfortable, laxed. Just hit cruise control. And Paul says, listen, you guys, I say this as Paul said it to that colony in Philippi. I say, we, you, I, we are citizens of heaven. We need to start living like it, talking like it, dressing like it, acting like it. I'm not angry. I love my wife. Uh, We have a... A little boy is seven happier than a lark. Um, you know, I have a little dog. I don't beat him. You know, I'm very, I'm a happy guy. But I am concerned. Come on. I am concerned, guys. You see, when we leave this place today, the funny thing is, is nothing is guaranteed and nothing is promised. us. The only thing that's guaranteed and promised us is our eternal vocation, (laughs) if you believe here today. The only thing that is promised is not your safety, is not your security. (laughs) It's that you, right now, have a Father who is building a house for you. And one day, we're going to be with Him and that day, those days are never gonna end. Those days, those days will never cease. In those days, there will be no such thing as cancer. There will be no such thing as jaded Christianity and offended little small-minded people. It will be the citizens of heaven gathered around Christ. For and man, if you're bored in worship today, whew, listen, we're just we're trying to prepare you for what's to come when Christ returns. Because we're going to spend many hours around His throne singing the high praises of God. I'd encourage you, don't just sit back and drink your lattes during worship. It's not a spectator sport. Oh, I'll, I'll raise my hand if it's good. I'm going on a tangent. I'll raise my hand if I feel it. Oh, friend, how far we've come. How far have we removed ourselves from what's really need when so- what really is needed when singing songs. Man, you put children up here. I promise I will be lifting my hands and singing loudly. You put the worst band up here. Uh, uh, in america and i tell you i tell you guaranteed hands down i'll be worshiping why because god is great it's not just some kind of buzzword friend god is great i will uh, adore him on this side of eternity and you better believe i will adore him on the next If I'm in America or a third world country, be it far from me not to worship him like he deserves. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's put to rest some of these small little details. Yeah, well, you just don't know. No, I probably do know. (laughs) What is he talking about? I'm talking about why it is that we don't think and we don't act and we don't behave like citizens of heaven. I know, I wrestle with it daily. (laughs) Doesn't come, I don't come by it easy. I have to do the same thing. I have to put my pants on in the morning, so to speak. As you do, I go through the same emotional ups and downs as anyone here in this room. But you know what? God has become so much bigger. So much bigger. That's why things don't easily shake me. They don't easily take me because God is big. He's big in my heart. He's big in my eyes. And I'm not just living, uh, living for this, this world. I'm, I, I'm, I'm living for the next. And I'm, I'm, I'm crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, I so long for his return. And it's not because I'm concerned or frantic. I just want to be with Jesus. But you know what? I I can't help you say, why are you saying this? Because I can't help but think most of the church has no regard. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. But I I can't help but think the the church almost seems to never think upon those lines. That this is not it. (laughs) This is not it. I, I want to just stress that I am not, in any way, advocating for like, you know, this pull away from life in the world. I'm not. There's still the process and the the the, the things that have to. You have to pay your bills. You know, you have to get up in the morning and go to work. You know, you got to do those things. It's what we got to do. Uh, but I'm I'm talking more about uh, something that consumes us. And and, and yes. Do I have to do all those practical kind of due diligence? Yes, absolutely. Got to pay my bills. Got to. Got to do those things. But man, my mind, my gears are constantly spinning. Oh, ah, this life is fleeting. It's passing. It's fading. And I. I'm constantly in the throes of. Of thinking about eternity and living in a way and behaving in a way that, that exemplifies that that, 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 that provokes that in me. Father, I pray that you would help our church. Help Hilltop, God. We cry out for the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us Lord, I know that many of us maybe feel accused or like I'm trying to beat them down. But Lord, I'm concerned and God, I help. I ask, Lord, that you would take my concern, Lord, and and do your work, Lord, bypass those um, thoughts of insecurity, God, and those thoughts of um, of shame, God, and that you would do a work within us as a corporate body, Lord, to to not just. Be engaged, Lord, primarily in this world, but God, to think in lines upon the next, Lord, to live truly as citizens of heaven, to to consider this life as fading and fleeting and live in it as foreigners, God. Even, Lord, if our own family members accuse us, Lord, of zeal, Father, I just ask, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that a great zeal would consume this body. Lord, I ask, Lord, that as David was feeling isolated, Lord, from his own family members because of the passion that had consumed him, God, I pray, Lord, for this body, let passion consume us, Jesus, not just some passion that's provoked about the thoughts of revival, but God, a passion that's invoked our Lord, a passion that consumes us about the return of the Lord. Let our Hearts and spirits groan, Jesus, for the return of Christ. And God, let us live in a manner. Let us live in a way, Lord, that, that, that truly says we are foreigners, that we are residents of heaven and foreigners to this land. Jesus, we thank You for your presence. We thank you for this body. God, I, I trust you, Holy Spirit, that you will do the work that's needed. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I have to be a, a little bit brief this morning only because um, we do have some other exciting things happening. I personally am excited about this next bit that we're going to get into. We're going to announce um, uh a college uh, ministry effort that we're going to uh, launch, hopefully, God willing, um, in January. And we want our whole church uh, to be a part of it. And so if you would just give your attention to a couple of minutes, and then we're going to have Matthew uh, come up, but we're going to see a video real quick.
1: This time, it's different. This time we're hungry. This time, we want it. More. More than just the thought of it. We want God himself. No flash. No show. Just Jesus. This hunger must be shared. We must continue to burn for the things of God in intercession. We run with fervency, praying, Lord of the harvest, send laborers, send them, that they may go to the campuses and mark history like it's never been marked before. It's time for hunger to awaken on the campuses again. It's time for dorm room intercession to be birthed. It's time for God to show up, wreck the scene, and leave a preponderance of evidence, his fragrance, and his name feeding on the hearts of students. This time, it's different. This time, we're hungry. This time, we want it. More, more than just a thought of it. We want to be awakened. We want God, himself. On January 15th to February 23rd, we're calling all of the college campuses in America to fast for 40 days. On February 23rd, which is the last Thursday, it's the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. We're contending and believing for this time for students to be consecrating themselves in this season to really see a mass revival released upon this nation. In partnership with the Collegiate Fast, We're also gonna be doing a tour from January 2017 to December 2017 called the Awaken Tour. We're gonna be traveling across 24 different campuses across New England and in partnership with that, we're gonna have six regional gatherings for a night of worship, prayer, and intercession. We invite you to join us for this fast and join us also as the tour kicks off as well. test. All right, how are you guys doing today? Amen. So I wanted to chat with you guys for a little bit. I'm going to be brief. I know you guys are, some of you guys are looking to get out of here. Um, But we are doing something called Awaken uh, coming up in 2017. And essentially, we're going to take the whole year, about 10 of us are going to go to campuses. And essentially, we just want to labor with the students on the campus. So we believe God wants to do two things through this tour. One, we believe that he wants to unify the Christian groups within campuses and then, two, we believe he wants to unify the college Christian groups with the local body. Um, I know a lot of you are saying, like, well, we've seen tours before. We've seen a couple people that go out and travel um, to college campuses and do tours, but this is different. Um, I was talking to a student on Wednesday night and I uh, was speaking a little bit about awakening. He came up to me with tears in his eyes and he said, Matt, I've been praying for this. And I said, what have you been praying for? He said, you know, we're not looking for uh, ministries to come in and to show us how it's done. He said, we're simply looking for people to partner with us and to burn with us in intercession. And so that's what we want to do. We want to go and just essentially be made available to God um, to see prayer birthed on campuses. And we're believing that when prayer is birthed on campuses in a unified expression, it's going to mark revival like we've never seen it before. We believe students are going to be sent out from the college campuses of America and the world, and they're going to change history like we've never seen it before. And so this is something that we pray for a lot in this house, um, you can't be a part of J-HOP and, and not pray for the college campuses. It's just in our DNA. And so we want you guys to really partner with us um, through this effort. And essentially, part of the 24 nights of worship, we're going to be going all throughout the East Coast. And we're going as far as we just confirmed, Tony, uh, we're going to UPenn. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be doing 12 hours of, of nonstop uh, prayer and intercession, partnering with the local student groups there and other ministries. So this is a unified effort. We're believing that God really wants to unify the body through this expression. It's not only Hilltop, but we have YWAM jumping on board. I have some ministry friends from Houston, Texas, saying, God has put this on our heart for 2017. We're joining with you. Actually, just last week, Kelsey wrote an article for Campus Renewal, and uh, we received an email from some random intercessor out in the Ozarks in, uh, in Arizona. And she said, we've been praying. She said, God told me, awaken East Coast. And so I decided to Google Awaken East Coast, and she came across Kelsey's article, and she said, this is exactly what God is looking to do in this time, and we have, we have a couple of intercessors in Arizona praying for you guys through this effort. So we want you guys to really join in with us. A lot of you guys aren't in school. That's okay. There's other ways that you can actually partner with us, one being finances. We're looking to raise $30,000. That's a lot of money, and essentially what that's going to do is that's going to help us get a van. Um, it's going to help us get a sound system so we don't have to take from the house of prayer. We don't have to take from the operations here at J-HOP. And it's going to help us tour for the whole year of 2017. So I really want, I really want this to be a, a joint effort. If your heart is burning for this, if you're saying, yes, I want to sew into the campuses. I want to sew in what God is doing. I want to encourage you to give. We're going to take an offering now for this effort. Essentially, again, it's going to help us get a van. It's going to help us tour the campuses and, and really pull this thing off well. And so I want you guys to to join in with us not only in prayer but also with your finances um, into what God will see. So the actually the ushers are going to go around and they're passing out um, an offering basket. If you ha- if you want an o- an envelope, uh, you can use that. And there's also a couple ways to give. Actually, so we we are still working with our new giving system. Like going forward, uh, we'll have like a special option for the online donation to
0: give to specific things, but we didn't get that set up for today. So. If you want to give to the special offering, just use the envelopes on your chairs. You can enter your credit card, inf- you can write your credit card information on the envelopes
1: as well, or put a check in there. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And also, if you do want to utilize the online app, um, we have a way we can parse that out for Awaken, but just essentially write on the envelope for Awaken. Um, but yeah, so you're going to be hearing more about this in the next coming Sundays. Um, right now, we're actually looking to gather people to help us. Um, so there's a couple needs. Um, where's Allegra Fletcher at? Allegra here. Allegra's over our worship team, and essentially what she's doing is she's gathering worshipers from around the city, from different ministries, different churches, to help us um, do these different sets on the campuses. And Peter Kim actually is over our intercession, so he's talking to the campuses. He's going beforehand and actually praying with them to hear what God is already doing on the campus and how we can partner. And uh, we also have Kenya, AJ, and Kelsey who are helping out with logistics and campus outreach. So if you also Let's say you go, to, you go to a campus here and you want us to come. Um, feel free to talk to us after. We're going to be over there in the welcome um, info table uh, taking information. Or if you want to get involved, if you say, you know what, I want to go to the campuses with you guys. I want to make a commitment for a year that I'm going to sow my life into the campuses into what God wants to do here in the Northeast. We're also looking for those people. We need worshipers. We need intercessors. We need people that are just here to help us do ushering. So if your heart burns for that and you want to join us in that effort, you can see us. We're all going to be standing at the info table right after service. Amen. Yeah, a
0: couple things before we take the offering, and then we'll let you guys go. Um, just want to say how excited. Uh, not prompted by Bethany or myself, Matthew, and a couple of uh, uh, of his team um, had kind of envisioned this, and um, you know, we for a decade now have been praying faithfully uh, for the campuses in the Northeast, but. Uh, pretty much uh, throughout uh, America uh, for 10 years and are just excited to see um, Matthew take uh, the vision of uh, student revival and student awakening to the campuses. And uh, I don't know what the Lord's going to do. I have great faith that something remarkable is going to come out of this. Um, And and we've prayed a lot for revival, particularly, um, you know, student revival. Um, But we get to now... Uh, pay for that and not only pay but we also get to participate and volunteer ourselves because listen revival merely isn't just going to happen because we're praying about it (laughs) I don't I don't know I mean yeah it starts there right we gotta we gotta be people who pray right absolutely but we also have to be people who go and that's why I'm thrilled as a pastor and as somebody who will uh, sponsor uh, financially this team to go um, I'm thrilled to be able to do this as a church and get behind the vision and ultimately, I believe, the dream and passion of Matthew's heart. I, I, I really do believe that God doesn't just move upon our prayers, but he moves upon our finances and he moves upon our participation. And so, two ways that we can join in. And you're going to hear uh, a lot about this, I think, through December and even January. Um, and as we gear up as a church to come behind uh, this team of young people and serve them and serve them well as they've served us. And I, I think I, I know I'm very excited about it. So I want to encourage you um, to, to be excited about this, but also be praying for us as we go on to try to get these 24 campuses. What do we have, six or eight? Or yeah, eight. eight so far. Eight so far. So we, we're looking. Our target goal is 24 and um and we're targeting the northeast right now, and our our goal is to start an ongoing relationship and dialogue with the di- the various um, campus ministries on those care- those campuses to 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 build a strong relationship of serving their needs and serving revival really on their campus. So, anyways, um, let's let's give. Will, could you come up and do a little kumbaya for us? It's always good. Let's let's pray for this offering, Father. We. Trust you, uh, Jesus, that you will provide. God, you are our provider. Uh, $30,000, nothing to you. And so, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would kiss, Lord, uh, these times of giving with favor. Uh, That, God, our hearts would only be more so provoked to move in faith. To not just pray in a room for revival, but to go. To, to launch ourselves out into campuses and, and take steps of faith, Lord, to believe that you would move. And so, God, we, we just ask, Lord, that you would multiply. And, Lord, that this, this, this offering today, this morning, would be a sign to Matthew and his team. God, that these coming weeks, Lord, their spirits would be so provoked and edified and strengthened and that their resolve would, grow, Lord, that their tenacity would be off the charts, Lord, feeling the church behind them. God, I pray, I pray, God, I pray that fruit would come from these gatherings in Jesus' name. And Lord, most of all, we give thanks to be able to give to what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give. You can make your checks out to Hilltop Church and just uh, don't write in the memo for awakening. The ushers will separate uh, the details. And we can put the um, slide up uh, for giving. We can put the slide up for giving. Um, we do, thank you. Uh, we, well, we really don't, but we'll figure it out. Because the bottom line is, here's the deal. If Matthew is unable to raise the $30,000, Hilltop Church has made a commitment to be behind them. Regardless of what it takes... We're going for this, and that is the bottom line. So let's use the online thing.
2: Waking my soul come awake to worship Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on me, come awake me from my sleep, yeah, and blow through the caverns of my soul, pouring me to overflow. Awaken first, love will oh, come away and do as you did, and first, speak the living God, come fall afresh from me, come awake me from my sleep, oh and blow through the caverns of my soul, pouring me to overflow. Come awake me from my sleep And blow through the caverns of my soul Pour me to overflow
0: Jesus, we thank you for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, our Friend. Lord, we just ask, God, as we've just sung, Lord, that That spirit would flow, would pour,